Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. Welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR 855 AM, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. My name is Kaylin, and before we get started, I would like to begin by acknowledging and paying my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land from which I am coming to you from today. I would also like to pay my respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders listeners today. So on today's show, we'll be speaking with comedian Andrew Lewis, an improv comedian who grew up in Mount Eliza, nestled between the haves and have-nots. The first time he did stand-up, he won his raw comedy heat, and he has lived with mental illness his whole life and has used his humour to get himself and others through some tough times. All he has ever done is comedy, and uh, as he says to me, he spent his primary school years doing Robin Williams routines at school and high school accounting uh, classes listening to uh, an Eddie Murphy audio tape on Walkman, so comedy is his life. Welcome, Andy. Thanks for coming onto the show today. Um, so winning your Raw Comedy Heat was your big break into comedy. As you've said, um, you've only ever known comedy in your life. Can you remember the first time you realised that you could be funny? Yes, and I can remember the exact location and how old I was. I was two years old. Yeah, um, I was two. Uh, Susie Fields was holding me. I know, I know you know Susie very well, so it's... Uh, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I was just like, hang on a minute, is that someone I should know? <laughs> no, no, no. No, you, no one knows Susie. Okay. Um, yeah, and I pulled her hair and everybody laughed and I thought, this is all right. And um, <laughs> so I pulled it again and then everyone laughed about 50% of the enthusiasm and I pulled it again and people just acknowledged it and that's where I learned the first law in comedy for me was you only tell a joke three times <laughs> <laughs> that must mean you've got new material happening all the time then I guess well it is for me that's probably honestly how I started as an improv comedian because I got yeah. sick of doing the same stuff <laughs> <I was like laughs> yeah awesome now um, I understand that you know the reason you come here to talk today is that you often talk about mental health in your stand-up when did you first realise that you're experiencing mental health challenges? Oh, it was really obvious to me when I was 13 um, and it was the first day of school. Actually, it was the day before the first day of school, 94, and I just started crying. I couldn't stop crying and um, my hands were shaking so violently. It was like they were doing their own washing machine thing and um, I had no idea what was happening. Like, yeah, it's different to when people say they feel stressed or, you know, a regular sort of thing, yeah, that's when I knew that was a problem. Yeah, and that sort of escalated as you've gotten older over into something else? Yeah, well, it's, it's um, I wrote it down recently. I, 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 over the years, been diagnosed with six different things and none of them have stuck. Yeah, <laughs> so that's it's common. Like, that actually happens quite a lot. So Yeah, yeah, and it's like um, I live with bipolar and ADHD. I know that much. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm happy knowing that, but I would be just as happy not knowing that. Of course, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, 
I feel that with any, and if it's an illness, whether it's physical or mental, um, if it needs medication, then yeah, you do need need that, which I do. But like, it's not my whole life. Like, I, I don't rule my life based on how my ADHD is or how my bipolar is. I get on with things regardless. Yeah, I think that's a really good uh, mentality to have. I live by a similar thing. So, no, I get that completely. So, yeah, I guess you've kind of almost sort of answered my next question, which is, you know, um, what is living with mental illness like for you? But can you elaborate a bit more on that maybe? Oh, yeah, yeah. Look, it's, it's um, for me, and I'd say this to anyone with or without an illness, is it's not all bad. Like um, there'd be people with cancer who would say that it's not all bad. Like there would be pluses, like probably not many, but like, and that as a mental illness, I never say suffer because if I was suffering, yeah. I, I wouldn't be talking to you now. Yeah, um, nope, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's, it's about what you can do, not what you can't. So like it's like the situation we all lived through in Melbourne last year. Instead of looking at what you can't do, look at what you can. And there are limitations with my diagnosis. There are limitations in me as a person. Um, but it's not my whole life. That's what I'm saying. Like it's not... I don't wake up and say, am I depressed? Am I manic or am I scattered? Like you just, you, you're second guessing yourself if you're doing that and your life becomes miserable when mm. it could be really quite happy. Mm. Yeah, no, I can relate to that too. I think it's, it's more about living with it, not because of it or for it or any of those yeah. reasons. Yeah, no, totally. I guess one of the things that a lot of people love about comedy is that it's often relatable. Um, do you think that mental illness can be funny? Yes, Yes, um, I think so it, too. <laughs> it's uh, the, the stuff that I've said or come up with when I've been manic and then I come out of it, I'm like, some of it is like, yeah, that's actually a good idea. And other bits you're like, what the hell? And I laugh at it. Like I have dreams where I wake up laughing. As I said, like it's not all doom, it's not all happy, but like if I couldn't make fun of what I live with and not only what I live with, but what I, how I've been treated by society, by medical mm. people, if you can't look at things in the sunny side up, you're not going to, it doesn't matter whether you got illness or not. You need to, in a nutshell, yes, you can make money. Yeah, make no, and, it, I, yeah. Yeah, and I think that what you're doing is really important because, you know, you talked about stigma just before and, you, you know, and how other people treat you and mm. you being able to stand up with an audience and saying, hey, look, this is normal. I think yeah. that's, that's really powerful, not just for yourself, but also for your audience as well. Oh, thanks. I totally agree because... For most of my life, I was made to feel ashamed for, for something I didn't choose mm-hmm. um, and for something that I was working on and still work on every day. Like it's not, I don't think anyone in mental health, whether as a, someone living with it or treating it, you're never completely there. Um, it's, it's always a work in progress. My God, even outside of my own life and my own headspace, the things that people around me have gone through, I'm the guy who's making fun of the situation. And when I say making fun, it's not like, ridiculing yeah. it's not talking in a derogatory way because i know i have seen comics do jokes like that on mental illness yeah we clearly have never had any experience with it but geez this like i said about being manic even depressed yeah like I, I can do jokes when i'm depressed it's just that i don't enjoy them yeah <laughs> um yeah so yeah like that's what i mean like it's and even in hospital the nurses know when i'm getting better because my comedy's good <laughs> so, you know it's it's something that, like, for me, my comedy never switches off. Yeah. But if I, even when I'm depressed, if I make 
if I create joy in someone else's life through comedy mm. um, or, or another way, that helps me get better too. Oh, 100%. I'm one of those people that, you know, if, if I've, um, you know, utilised all my toolbox and I've got nothing yeah. left, my go-to is yeah. do something for someone else and guaranteed I'll feel better for it. So That's I totally right. get that. Yeah, and if you do something for someone else, it doesn't have to be someone you know. No. It, and you don't do it with the intention of feeling good. It just happens. That's right. Exactly. Because it's like when people talk about karma and they think that just by doing good things, good things will happen to them. It's the intention behind it. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, totally. Well, I think you're doing good things here. So Thank that's you. really awesome. So how important do you think um, humor is in our lives? I guess we've touched on that a little bit now, but, you know, can you elaborate? Oh, you look, I mean, I know I keep going back to last year, but like um, comedy dried up, like for, for me and <sighs> for, any, for everyone, um, and we just survived. But now that we've gotten through it, uh, it's time now to, for me as a comedian and as an entertainer and performer, that's my way of creating change, um, particularly in mental health, because there's a lot of stuff I've experienced in the last six months or 12 months that should never happen. Um, and I know I'm not the worst case scenario, but like for me, like basically it's easier for me to tell jokes to 30 people or 300 people and, and, and then they go on and continue the work. So it's through my comedy and they mm. laugh. But comedy speaks truth. And that's all comedy is. It's like it's telling the truth mm. but in a different angle. So, that's right. yeah, yeah. It, it's, that's, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And did you touched a bit on what happened last year. Did you want to elaborate on that? Oh, yeah. Well, um, as much as I can. It was, it was a really tough year because... I was um, not getting the right treatment that I needed and um, was deteriorating because of that. And then uh, I have great NDIS support, which I'm really, really thankful for. That got me through. I mean, a great mental health team. But when lockdown eased, and I think other people were like this too, like the sensory stuff, like the people around the shops open, it wasn't something I was conscious of, but it was really affecting me. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, I had an admission... December mm-hmm. and um my god there's there's a tv show just on that admission really because it, it was <laughs> it was um <laughs> like there were mice running around like, oh my it was, goodness it, it was not and we're, we'd be saying like again we're all to lose use a loose term off our tits mm. but like um we're saying you know there's mice running around can you guys do something about it and they go oh they're at all hospitals and I'm like well that's not really okay mm. <laughs> like if you if you had mice at home I wouldn't say well they're at all home it's yeah like, exactly you know. <laughs> no do something about it yeah it's like you know you, you like it's something that I laugh at but you'd be going to the toilet and the mouse would run past and say g'day and then you, it's just like I think I'd be hysterical at that point I know so. I know and it's, and, but it's like I'm, I'm, I'm well not sitting there but I'm like I'm, I'm experiencing all this and I'm like but the, that's what I mean like the whole experience of that month or so mm. was nothing's changed in mental health care in a hundred years. Like the yeah. beds may have changed, there's paint on the walls, but the treatment's the same. We still need to do a lot, don't we? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like that there are too many people, not all of them, but too many workers in mental health that don't care about their jobs. Mm. And, and I don't know why they are in a, help, a helping role if you're not going to help. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, it's like that's what I mean, like... A, It'll more of that on in the show, but like, um, it's just I'm so glad that the Royal Commission happened and that the truth is being told. Um, mm. and like hopefully, said, the government will actually do something about it, that would be really good as well. 
Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, I, I see even like this time last year when governments in this country at least were saying, we'll give this money to mental health. I'm like, it's 20 years too late. Mm. Like, to, to give, I don't know, say $30 million to mental health, where does it go? Who gets it? Like, well, does it go right. to, and does it go to paying a doctor or does it go to facilities? Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I went to uh, an emergency room, I think it was December, and like anyone in mental health as a someone living with an illness knows that you turn up to an emergency room you don't get looked after first second or third you don't even get looked after last other people come in two or three hours after you did they get looked after but i saw a guy uh walk in and my support work was with me which i'm really thankful for i said that guy needs help straight away i hadn't heard him speak i hadn't didn't know what the problem was but i could tell because you know enough from a lifetime of experiencing this and then so they took me to another room they gave me sleeping tablets which was really like getting panadol for a brain tumor and um the i came out and i could hear this thumping and screaming and i said to my support worker can you please go and see if that that guy and he went out and he looked at me and was like yeah there's like six police mm. and i saw this guy walk in and ask for help in a calm voice mm. and he told them why and they said go and sit down mm. And that's the thing about that is it, it affected me enough yeah. to still be talking. Well, that's talking. the thing. It's, it's, it's yeah. not just that it's that individual as well. It's got this ripple yeah. effect that it's impacting on everyone. And I'm sure even people working there would find that traumatic as well. Oh, totally. And like that, that guy, I said to my worker, that guy's life is forever changed. Mm. Like he's come for help and he's, see, I don't know what triggered the, who started what, but like still he asked for help and he didn't get it. Mm. Now I've, I've been in that situation, a, not a lot, but a few times. And it's your job to help. And that, the, the thing about stigma is I feel it's almost strongest in certain elements of the medical profession. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and, often, that, and often it's about the response that the individual is, yeah. is, is having and how that yeah. impacts everybody else rather than what's yeah. happening to that individual. And you to, know? Well, that's it. And like for, for the police to be transporting anyone to hospital, if they call up for help and are not violent, um, there's no need for that to happen. Mm. Um, it should be like a paramedic, which I'm, I know the Royal Commission got into. But well, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping yeah. that the Royal Commission will, will sort of, you know, put an end to these or at least start discussions around these types yeah. of situations because it's, yeah, it's, it's certainly very problematic. And, you know, in, yeah. in the work that I do, I see the fallout from that, you know, where people yeah. end up being traumatised by the system. So, you know, it'd be yeah. really good if we can prevent that from happening. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I totally get it. We often hear about um, how a lot of comedians struggle with their mental health challenges. Um, Some famous comedians that come to my mind would be Bill Hader and his experience with anxiety. And then also the late Robin Williams, who we all know suffered from, well, there's that word, suffered from depression. (laughs) Why do you think there is a correlation between, um, you know, strong mental health challenges or illnesses or whatever you want to call it and and comedy, like how, what, yeah. It, it's because it's we're the same. Like that, um, I'm glad you mentioned Robin Williams because um, when I was in primary school, really young, like seven years old, my mum passed away. And um, Robin Williams got me through that. I never met him, mm. but he got me through it because I would do his material at school. Oh, wow. I'd ter- yeah, I'd turn up, I'd do Mork and Mindy. I slept with my hands like that. Which, I mean, it's great for listeners, but... Um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, like, I, I he, comedy got me through it. Like, um, it's, 
you don't even have to be a comedian, um, a successful comedian, or just if you can, like I said earlier, if you can look at things as the sunny side up in any situation, not just the easy ones, not just the half difficult ones. You don't have to be Robin Williams. You don't have to be me. You don't have to be an entertainer or an artist. It's not just looking at a positive when there is no positive. It's working at it and lightheartedly poking fun at it. Like I've, like I said to someone about the mice in the hospital, I said, I bet you they'd break into the medicine cabinet and go, we're not touching this. (laughs) (laughs) But they go for the sayos and the saladas. That's right. So what I mean is you don't have to be a comedian to be a happy person. Mm. Um, But what the thing thing is with um, Robin Williams and I relate to with myself is as a comedian with that head, that brain, is that for years I was making other people happy because it was deflecting the attention from my own pain. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not. And that's the thing, like, because if I was to... Say we had have had this discussion and I was just telling jokes and you didn't know I had mental illness or living with anything. You'd, you'd think that based on your reaction of laughing and feeling good that I feel the same. But it's mostly not the case in comedy because a lot of comedians um, have addiction problems or have trauma problems or mental illness problems. And because we've had a lifetime of this, like no one wakes up at 30 and goes, I'm going to do comedy. I've never made anyone laugh, but I'm going to try. You have to... Yeah. But that's the thing, you have to do it every day. And you don't have, like I said, you don't have to be a comedian to do it. If you can feel positive by doing positive things that make you feel better. Like the other thing is that when I'm depressed, I don't want to go for a walk. I don't want to eat healthy. I don't want to do things. But you have to make yourself do it. Yeah, like Robin Williams, I was um, more devastated, honestly, when he died than just about when my mum died, I think. Because my mum was only around for seven years. Robin was around for nearly 40 of my Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I said, he got... It was better than therapy because comedy is my therapy. Like, even when I see a psychologist or a psychiatrist, my number one goal from day one is to make them laugh. Mm. <laughs> because if yeah. I can make if I can make them crack um, and laugh, <laughs> like I got my new psychologist to laugh yesterday, and I couldn't even remember how. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's that's a win. That's a win. And you know what? Most most uh, psychologists, I think, would approve of that too. They they really I like know, to yeah. to have that sort of psychiatrist. Experience. That's it. But psychiatrists are the hardest because you've only got half an hour and you've got to build up. Yeah. So like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, I can totally relate. Well, I think that's really important about Robin Williams. I think he did do a lot for other people. And you talked about that earlier, you know, sometimes doing things for other people really helps. And yeah, yeah, I think deflection would probably be a big part of it, but I wonder too, if it's, just knowing that you can make someone else feel something that you wish you could feel all the time. You yeah, know, there's that, that too. Statistics around the world have shown that the pandemic has been really detrimental to people's health. And you've talked a little yeah. bit about how, you know, you did have a bit of a rough year last year. What sort of things happened? Like, how did you go? Like what led up to it? You know, how are you doing now? I was, um, for me, it was, it started before the pandemic. Um, I, uh, I've since found out it's most likely complex PTSD. So I um I was self-isolating before it was cool. Like I was um <laughs> yeah, I like September of I can't even remember what year, but the year before the pandemic. And I wouldn't wasn't going out, I was staying home, I was avoiding shopping centers, I was just a mess. That first press conference, and I'm like, yeah, things are gonna change. And mm-hmm. but the scariest thing for me wasn't lockdown and wasn't what we could or couldn't do, it was being alone with my past. Uh, and um yes. yeah that was the hard thing and um 
I my support workers were great and still are. And it's it sounds stupid, but I was trying to work really hard at preventing flashbacks. Mm. And I'm like, I don't know how you can actually do that. <laughs> it's like it's it's like preventing yourself from becoming Batman. Like there's absolutely <laughs> nothing you can do, and it's not going to happen. If you're so. Batman, you're Batman. It's just, I know. You have to accept it. <laughs> but how bad would Batman feel? Because his top half's already covered, and then he has to wear a bottom face mask, so no one's going to know who he is. It's like. <laughs> But yeah, it was, um, and then like the whole year was like just being alone in your own thoughts. I live alone. So yeah. um, I, I didn't ring Lifeline because I thought there's people who need more help, help more than I do. Um, and that's a having, really, that's a really bad loop to get yourself stuck in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, honestly, now I ring them and I'm like, guys, I just need to talk about some stuff. Like it's, yeah. and that's where I think the education needs to change with the, perhaps the name of Lifeline, but also uh like to have it at the end of a news story and say call them if you need but people don't know what you need them for well that's right and often when we think of those sorts of support services and helplines we think of calling in a crisis sometimes it'd be really good to just ring up and go look i think something's happening can we have a chat now before i get to that really bad point (laughs) yeah and it's like but I said to the, because uh, again, I was working on comedy with Lifeline a while ago and I said, you should call yourselves like the super fun happy time or, <laughs> like, you know, um, free lollies on entry or something because it, it implies that you have to be in crisis to ring. That's right. It implies that you have to be the person in crisis and you can't call on behalf of someone else or you want to help someone. And there's no, honestly, I don't know how long they've been around for, there's no education, certainly when I was at school, as to what happens when you ring. Yeah. Like, it's not like ringing up for a pizza where they answer straight away. There's a recorded message. There's all this other stuff. But people don't know how to, it's a very nerve-wracking thing to do for the first time because you don't know what's going to happen. And especially if you're in, like, you know, that a self-deprecating loop, as we just talked about, where you're yeah, like, oh, yeah, no, yeah. I'm fine. There's people way I worse know. than me. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I'd, I'd ring them up and I'm like, like, the first few times I rang them this year, I'm like, sorry for ringing. <laughs> it's like I know you. I know you've got other things to do, like you know your freaking job that you're doing now. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I get that completely. Oh, well, it's good that you had that as a support, and then you're able to realise what your needs are. And I think us talking yeah. about it now, hopefully, that helps someone else to think that they don't have to wait till they're at that breaking point before oh, they yeah. pick up the phone. That's it. Because what's going to happen? You're not going to get embarrassed. Like they're not going to say to you, "You're not really that bad." Like if you're ringing, you need help. That's right. And and, and often people who aren't ringing need help. So the fact that you're reaching out, again, to say reaching out, people think, oh, there's like an implied patheticness to it. But it's not. It's the same as what we're doing now. Um, right. The thing for me in particular is to, to verbally say stuff like, and not think it over, not write it out, but to verbally. It just makes you feel so much better talking. No, I agree. Absolutely. Like, you know, and to ring up and they don't know you, you don't know them. As I said, you can ring up and say you're Batman and tell them to be the red light. You can do role playing, like whatever helps. Because I keep on thinking of that. Is it a John Lennon song that whatever gets you through the night? Oh, I don't know that one. That's, I'm Summit. terrible with song lyrics. Yeah. Song lyrics. I <laughs> no, really apologize. But like, it's, it's what gets you through. Like, yeah, a five that's minute, right. it could be a five minute phone call or an hour phone call. You're talking about what could be the difference between surviving and not. And you need to do whatever right. you can to survive. And, and I think, and, and, and as we've talked about, I think getting yeah. um, getting that help before you get to crisis. Yeah. I mean, I think that's going to take so much burden off, yep. you know, the yep. system that's already not coping, obviously, by the Royal Commission. Yeah, that's, I know, you know yeah. So being able to support people before crisis, to me, yep. seems more effective than just waiting until that moment. Um, well, that's it. Yeah. yeah, and I think that even, sorry, if they had a, 
a number or an organization where you could ring where you weren't crisis mm. and you could like it would well, laugh is, but life one's sort of like everything yeah uh, the thing i found also hard last year was living alone and not being able to see anyone in my own home mm. not going to anyone's home and i felt that that was a real big error that it was introduced in september that bubble thing because people living alone you can have no mental illness and have a year like last year living alone it's not good for you no, and even, you know, I mean, I'm someone that's quite introverted, so I, I yeah. would probably be okay, and I'm also really good with connecting with people online, but there are a lot of people yeah. who that's their that's their stimulus, like they need yeah. that to be able to survive, or that might be their reset, you know, yeah. and to not have that is massive, yeah. Oh, and because people don't realise that they do, some people don't realise that's they right. need that. Yeah. But like, you're right, like I knew how to get my help, I'd go for a coffee, whether I could afford it or not just for a five-minute conversation. Um, then I'd go to a different one and get to have another five-minute conversation because I knew I needed it. Yeah, that's good. Um, that's really smart. thing I learned from my dad's old dog, um, that the human connection, human contacts, um, that's what people are missing still, the shaking hands and hugging. You that know, touch. it helps. Yep, that's yeah. right. Yeah. No, exactly. Well, we've talked a lot about um, your story today and, you know, I guess our views on mental health and all sorts of different things. But yeah. um, one of the reasons you've come to talk to us today is also the fact that you've got a show coming up for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a bit about what your show is about? Well, it's, it's pretty much everything we've discussed, but in a funny way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, oh, not, not, not. Well, when, when I say that, like, we're not going to, I'm not going to talk about crisis things and. Yeah. Uh, in a relatable, funny way. Yeah. Relatable. Yeah. Like, the, the, it's, again, it's not all, it's probably 85, 90% comedy and the rest is just telling the truth. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to, yeah, I don't have, I don't have a memory. I ha, the only thing I have a memory for is jokes. Hmm. And so, like, I, it's all improvised, but there's a, the theme is mental illness and um, what I've been through in my life. Yeah, I'd just like to mention also, I will say I have some sort of announcement at the start of the show in terms of trigger warnings because I don't want to upset anyone because I know what that's like. Yeah, <laughs> and, I know what that's um, like too. I'm not, doing, I'm not going to do anything to offend, but just the topics that I'll be talking about because it's mental health and uh, there's a lot of things that uh, can be triggering. I, I just want people to feel comfortable in that space. Oh, that's fair enough. Oh, that's yeah. good. We've talked a bit about stigma and how it's still a barrier for people with mental health. How do you think that your stand-up can help uh, sort of with that? You know, when you laugh at something mm. and you, it's after you laugh really hard at it and you go, yeah, that's actually true. Yeah. No, I get that completely. It, yeah. So, yeah. like, my, my show, this in particular, because originally my show was just going to be improvising and then maybe 10 minutes on mental health, but it just became too big. Mm. And so that's where you look at, um, dictators or powerful people who do the wrong thing. Mm. And it doesn't have to be in government. It could be in a, in a hospital. Um, if you can make everyone in the room laugh at them and they change what they're doing because of that, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. that's that's important. And I think yeah. you, you talked before about, um, you know, laughing at ourselves and having that relatability and just yeah. being able to normalise it. You know, you're having a mm. conversation mm. like, you know, this is good. This is really healthy. I think the comedy is a great way to sort of talk about things. You know, you, you see comedians talk about politics and, and things yeah. that get people in, in, in hot water, so to speak, that wouldn't be acceptable in another platform, but they might be able no. to discuss things, you know, in with a joke and it works and it's really important. Okay. For anyone who's thinking of becoming a comedian and struggles with their mental health, what sort of advice would you give them? I would say don't be scared of what anyone thinks of you. 
Okay. And that means ever because it's a lot of people who could be comedians but don't are worried about what people think. Because, like, if I perform, like, I don't, first time I met you, and without being disrespectful, I don't, in terms of comedy, I don't care what you think. No, that's good. If, if, <laughs> no, because if I did, I'd be think I'd be doing that for everyone. Yeah. And then because like I've said things today that you didn't laugh at that I thought you would, but then I don't take that to heart. <laughs> no, no, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. If I do a gig in front of a hundred people, and ninety-nine of them laugh, but one doesn't, do I focus on the one that doesn't, or the ninety-nine that do, or none of them? If you want to be a comedian, do it for yourself. Don't don't worry what the crowd thinks, because. You're going to meet promoters or venue managers or even other comedians who don't think you're funny. Mm. I don't need, like even last year, I didn't need to perform in front of a full room of people to know I'm a comedian. I was doing it as much as I could. It's in your and heart. It's, it's beyond just saying give it a shot. Mm, that's, that's, there you go. that's good advice. Now, your show, where can we see you? Well, you can see me. I don't even know how to say the name of the place. I've been going there for eight years for coffees. But <laughs> it's... it's um. It's Treby Carey. I can't do accents. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll put the name in the show notes so people yeah. can have a look there. <laughs> and whereabouts is that? Um, it's at 623 Rathdown Street in Carlton North. Awesome. Um, doors open at 7 o'clock and there's, they're offering, um, as part of the show ticket, you get uh, food and I think drinks, I'm not sure. But So, yeah, come at 7, have a drink, have something to eat. And what, and day, then, uh, what days are that, is that running? Yeah, it's on the 10th of April. It's just one show. Awesome, awesome. All right, cool. Well, I'll make sure to pop all that information in the show notes. And thank thank you so much, Andy, for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And I promise you, if I wasn't laughing on the outside, some of your jokes, I probably was on the inside. No, that's all right. (laughs) I I will expect a full um, rundown on Yelp. (laughs) Absolutely, no worries at all. (laughs) But thank you for the opportunity to come on your show. Thanks, Andy, for coming on the show today and sharing your story and inspiration with our listeners. You can find more of our shows at the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, or on Spotify, or where you download your 3CR podcast. If you have a story to share or you'd like to send us some feedback, um, we'd love to hear from you. Any suggestions at all on future shows as well, please email us at brainwaves at wellways.org. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe and we'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.